0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Exodus 19, I want you to notice with me verse 4. We're going to go through all these verses here in a few moments, but I especially want you to notice verse 4. I've, I've read this verse I know I've quoted this verse before, but I've never preached from this verse that I can remember in all my notes, but it's such a, a powerful truth that God gave me during the Bible reading these past few days. It says, ye have seen, Exodus nineteen four. ye have seen what I did. Now, who is speaking here? This is God, right? God is speaking to Moses and he says, I got a message for the children of Israel. Moses, I want you to deliver the message. And God says to Moses, you have seen what I did. And that's powerful right there. We'll we'll talk about that in a moment. You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bare you on eagles' wings. That's interesting. And brought you unto myself. I'd like to preach for a few moments this morning. We're in our series, really, I guess, still in following Jesus, and we'll, we'll cover this for a few more weeks. But this morning, I want to share with you from this passage of scripture, I want you to see the reason for God's leading in your life. Did you know God has a reason for you and God has a reason for me? God has a purpose for us. How many of you know we're not just a bunch of guinea pigs down here that God's just curious to see what we're going to do? You know that, right? No, you were created in His image. You were created for a purpose, and and that purpose is to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. God has a purpose for you. God has a reason for your life, and God has a reason for why and how He is leading you. I'd like for us to see that uh, from this passage. Lord, help us. We need you, and I need your help and I pray that you'd give us what we need, challenge our hearts, speak to us, open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And once we see and once we hear your word, I pray that we would respond and I pray that we would uh, settle matters in our own heart and in our own life, that we might be what you'd have us to be. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. We see in Revel- uh, Revelation, we're not in Revelation, we're in Exodus, Exodus 19 verse 1, that it is in the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, the word wilderness there is used to describe Sinai. Now notice verse number two. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. The children of Israel now, they have come out of Egypt, okay? And if you've been reading through the Bible uh, in the, with the schedule, then you know they've come out of Egypt. God led them from Egypt through the Red Sea. The Red Sea came back. It drowned Pharaoh and his army, and now they are going to the promised land. Hallelujah for the promised land. But God is leading them, and God leads them into a wilderness god leads them into a desert now you may be here this morning and you think i'd kind of like to go to the desert i'd kind of be neat to see that you know we we we, we do not live in a desert uh, region that's for sure we have the opposite we got trees everywhere and we got lakes and rivers but you go to the desert that's a very very different situation and I don't mind going to visit the desert, you know, driving through and air conditioning and I got my water there and, you know, I'm in my, my car, you know, with the padded seats and driving through and, like, oh, that's pretty. But I wouldn't want you to drop me in the middle of the desert where I had to survive for, I say days, I wouldn't even want to be there for hours, but, you know, for days or weeks. Now, Curry Roberts, you know, and Gabriel, you know, no problem, they go be there for three years and not bad. an eye, not me. I wouldn't pick the desert. I wouldn't pick to be in a place where there is no water, where there is no food, where there is no shelter, where there is no comforts, where there are none of the good things that we enjoy. I wouldn't choose the desert. The Bible also calls this place the wilderness. And a wilderness is very similar. In the wilderness, there are dangers, there are are wild beasts, there are unknowns, there are are, are things that are hard. There may be uh, jagged uh, rocks and cliffs, and, and, and there may be things that would be hard to survive. If the truth were told, none of us would pick to go through a desert. None of us would pick to go through a wilderness. We'd all choose the promised land, wouldn't we? We'd say, give me that land that's flowing with milk and honey. Uh, Where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Escal grow. That's what i want. The truth is, if we're honest, none of us would choose the valley. We would choose the mountaintop. None of us would choose the hard times. We'd all choose the good times. None of us would choose the trials. We would choose the blessings instead. But here we see that God is leading his people, and he leads them to a wilderness. He leads them to a desert. Chapter 17, they experienced there was no water. You say, oh, no, what did they do? Well, they didn't do anything. God took care of them, and God's going to take care of you in the wilderness, and God's going to take care of me in the wilderness. Uh, God's supply is not limited because of the uh, geographical location. God's still God, but God led them. And God was leading them because God had a purpose for his people. I want to remind you this morning that God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for your life. Uh, God has a purpose for Glenn. God doesn't say, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do with Glenn. God doesn't see Doug and say, well, I don't know about Doug. I'm not sure, or Ryan, or or, or David, or Edmund, or or Bill, or Bladen. God's not looking down saying, oh, I forgot about them. No, God's got a plan for your life. God's got a purpose. God's got something that he wants to do in your life, in my life. And friend, I want to tell you, God's purpose is so much bigger than you could ever imagine. It is so much better than you and I could ever dream. God has a purpose. Life is not a game. Life is not something that should be treated flippantly or carelessly because God has given us life and life matters. Your life matters to God. Your your children's lives matter to God. Uh, uh, The the neighbor that lives across the street, they matter to God. Uh, The person that you meet at Walmart or the person you meet at the grocery store, they matter to God. The people that live across the globe uh, in foreign countries, they matter. God has a purpose for every life. Here's the amazing thing about life. Life goes so quickly. And you only get one life. I wish I could stand here today and I wish I could tell you, hey, live however you want the first time because, hey, you'll get another chance. But that's not the way it works. The Bible says that we are given life. And what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanisheth away. The Bible says, and as it is appointed, to man once to die, and after this, the judgment. I want to tell you, you only get one life, and that life is so short. Don't waste it. Live your life for God. Live your life with a purpose. When I was in elementary, and I, I don't know what, what all the curriculums are in all the schools here, but when I was in elementary school in history class, we learned about a young man during the American Revolutionary War. His name was Nathan Hale. And if you've never, if you've never uh, learned about Nathan Hale, I'd encourage you to look it up. It's just, even just Google it. It's very interesting. But Nathan Hale was in the, uh, the, the war, uh, the, uh, the, the colonists against the British, and General George Washington needed somebody that would go behind enemy lines as a spy. It was at the time that the British were trying to capture New York City. And Nathan Hale, he volunteered. He said, I'll go. He was a young man. He was a smart man, talented man, but he said, I'll go. Nobody else would. But he said, I'll go. While he was there in New York, there was a fire that broke out. Some believe it was set on purpose. Some think it was maybe just an accident. But needless to say, in that fire and all that commotion, there were several of the of the colonists and and their forces that were were caught behind enemy lines. Nathan Hale was one of those. And he was there as a spy. That was his purpose. There were at least a couple friends and perhaps even a family member that identified him as a spy, and he was brought before a military trial. And at that trial, it was determined that he indeed was a spy, and before he was executed, they asked him if he had any final words, and his final words that he said before he was executed, he said, my only regret is that I have but one life to lose for my country. I want to tell you, those are some powerful words. But friend, I wonder if you and I would come to the end of our life, and I wonder if that would be our only regret. You know, I wish I had another life I could live for Jesus. I did the best in this one. I gave God my all in this one, but I wish I could do more. I wish there was something else that I could do for my Savior. I wish that I had more years. And friend, I want to tell you, don't waste your life living for yourself. Don't waste your life living for pleasure. Don't waste your life uh, living for for things of this world. Give your life to serve God. In the early service, and I could could pick out many folks in this auditorium also, but in the early service right back here um, where uh, where Marcus and Sarah, where you're at right there, uh, Bobby and Edna Jones were sitting on that row in the early service, and I used them for an example, and I think you understand why. I said, I dare you, after the service, I said, go ask Bobby and Edna Jones. Ask them if they wish they had lived their life for themselves instead of living a life for God. Go ask them after the service. I said, I promise you, I know what they'll say. They'll say, we have no regrets that we've lived our lives for God. We have no regrets that we have given ourselves to God for all of these years. And friend, I want to tell you, when you live for God, you will not come to the end of your life with regrets You will not wish that you had lived for yourself or lived for a job or lived for pleasures or lived for a hobby. You will be glad that you lived your life for God. And I want to remind you this morning, your life has a purpose. And God wants you to fulfill that purpose in your life. I want you to notice quickly as we get into the text. Number one, if you're going to find the reason and if you're going to see the reason for God's leading in your life, number one, it's going to require discernment. It says in verse number four, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. God is making it clear to his people. He said, you saw it with your own eyes. You saw. And by the way, this was just a few days earlier. This wasn't years or months. This was a few days. He said, you saw it. You saw the Red Sea part. You you went through on dry ground. You saw the waters come in and, and destroy Pharaoh and his army. You saw it with your own eyes. Take some discernment. How many of you know that every day of your life, you pass things on your way to work that you don't even see? Now, you see it, but you don't see it. I challenge you tomorrow when you're going to work, just notice the signs, the random signs that are on the side of the road. that you've, They've been there forever. You've just never seen them, Right? Now how many of you know if it's a a food sign, we all notice those, hallelujah, right? There's certain things we notice. But I wanna say this, the children of Israel, they saw all that God did. And I wanna say to Victory Baptist Church this morning, you've seen what God's done. You've seen what God's done here. You've seen what God's done in your life. You've seen people that got saved that you didn't think would ever get saved. You've seen answers to prayer that seemed impossible. You've seen backslidden people come back to God. Uh, You've seen miracles. You've seen your needs met. You've seen God's people pray and God heal somebody. You've seen it, and I've seen it. But how quick we are to forget the things that we have seen God do. I used this in the early service when my wife wasn't here, so I need to use it probably in the service now that she is here. But um, my wife, my wife loves to decorate our house and different things, different times, but especially Christmas. And this was a few years ago. And I, you know, fellas, how many of you know when you come home from work, you got a lot on your mind, right? How many of you know that, fellas? Help me out. Even if you don't, raise your hand, please help me with this. I need some help. Okay, about five of you. Thank you. (laughs) I was coming home from work and Joanna had put some, they were huge. Huge wreaths on our front door. And I walked in the front door. I came in and, you know, set my stuff down, took my shoes off or whatever. And Joanna, was, she, I think she was waiting. I think she set me up. How many of you think she did it on purpose just to set me up? Fellas, you didn't help me the first time and you're not helping me now. Whew, it's going to be a long message here. I'm having to do the preaching and the responding. But I, I didn't notice the wreaths. And I'll be honest with you. I, didn't, I, I mean, they were there. I know I saw them, but I didn't notice it. And so she gave me a hard time about that. She's like, well, I mean, you know, they're right there. You walked right past them, you know, and we, we, we teased about it. Now, I haven't done this to her, but fellas, how many of you know there are things that maybe your wife notices that you don't notice, but there's things that you notice that she probably doesn't notice, right? Now, not a lot, but hang, hang with me. You can't think of any, but I'll give you one example. How many of you know if you're parked in a, in a, in a parking lot and you get in the car and you, you drive off. And if you ask your wife, say, did you see that pickup truck parked right next to us? Did you see, did you see the tires on that thing? Did you see those rims? Did you see, did, did, did you see, and, I, and, and now some of you ladies, you would have noticed it. But not all of you. You see, there's th- some things you see, there's some things you miss. But let me make this statement to every person here. We should be very observant when it comes to the blessings of God. Don't miss God's blessings. You have seen, God says, what I did. And he and God's the one that did it. They didn't do it. God did it. Number two, I see not only the discernment, I see the destruction. God destroyed the Egyptians. I mean, God wiped them out. I mean, he not only freed the Israelites, but he said, I'm going to destroy Pharaoh and his army and they're not going to bother you anymore. God did that. Did you know that's the kind of God we serve? Because God's not in heaven biting his nails. God's not nervous wondering, oh no, what am I going to do about the devil? Oh no, what am I going to do about the enemies of my people? God is able to give victory and full victory. God is able to bring destruction to your enemy. You say, well you talking about my wife, You're talking about my husband. No, that's not your enemy. You say, well, my coworker, that's the no, 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 no. That's not your enemy. Your enemy is the devil. He's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he made of power. And one of these days, once and for all, that old devil, the dragon, he's going to be cast into a lake of fire where he will be forever and ever and ever. And I want to tell you this. We as God's people, we have the victory because of what Jesus Christ has done. The children of Israel didn't do it. We can't do it. But God can. You have seen what I did, God says, unto the Egyptians. Number three, I see the deliverance. God says that he, he, he bore them, he carried them on eagles' wings. Now, that's an interesting expression because God did not literally carry them on eagles' wings. God didn't create a big eagle and say, all right, everybody, load up, hang on tight to the wings, we're flying. No, no, no. But what God did, in essence, is he miraculously, he removed them from Egypt, he, he, he removed them from the problem, he removed them from the danger, and he saved them in a mighty fashion. The Bible says in Psalm 55, verse 6, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away and be at rest. Have you ever been in a mess at home or at work or maybe in a place of business or maybe in your emotional life? And you said, I wish I had wings. I wish I could get out of here. I am in a problem. What am I going to do? Well, you can't escape, but God can deliver you. And God can rescue you, and God can save you. And sometimes God rescues you, but notice Isaiah 40, 31. Sometimes God just gives you the strength to face what you're going through. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Number four, I see the devotion. God says, "I uh, what I did to the Egyptians, how I bear you on eagles' wings, and I brought you unto myself. You know why God saved his people from Egypt? He saved them because he loved them. He saved them because he wanted to bring them closer to himself. Aren't you glad that when God saved you, he didn't leave you on your own to figure it out? Aren't you glad God didn't say, okay, I've done my part, now you're on your own. Hope it goes well for you, good luck. No, God saves you because he wants you to be close to him. He wants to have a relationship with you, wants to walk with you and talk with you. He wants to give you victory in your life every day by a fellowship that you have with him. Number five, quickly, I see a dedication. God tells his people, verse number five, Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant. This takes a daily commitment. You're not always going to feel like obeying the word of God. You're not going to always feel like doing what God says. But you got to do it. I'll give, you, I'll give you a great example. When somebody irritates you, when somebody ticks you off, when somebody makes you mad, you know what you think? Or at least I shouldn't say what you think, I'll tell you what I think. I think I'd like just to tell them what for. And that's what I'd like to do. But you know, there's a problem. That's not what God says to do, right? And so you're faced with a choice. Are you going to obey what God says or are you going to do what you want to do? Well, i I give you a hint. If you do it God's way, it'll be a whole lot better for you than if you do it your way. But God delivered his people. And then he said, now I want you to obey my voice. I want you to keep my covenant. That takes a daily dedication. Number six, I see there's a delight. It says in verse five, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me, Above all people, for all the earth is mine. Number six, there's a delight. God calls us a treasure. Isn't that amazing? God looks at you and me, and I know this is talking about Israel, but I'm going to show you in 1 Peter 2 where God sees us as a treasure. But not only that, but God says we are a peculiar treasure. Now, some of us are thinking, now that's about right. Because some of us, Are strange let's just be honest let's just kind of get that out there okay and every church has people that are strange and if you're looking around right now and you're saying I don't see anybody it might be you right and if you're looking around and you still don't see anybody look up here in the pulpit it's me you know I'm the one but this word peculiar does not mean strange it doesn't mean weird doesn't mean you're goofy or silly. What it means is you're different. God's people ought to be different from this world. We ought to not fit in with this world. If you get a whole bunch of people together and you've got one Christian in the midst of them, it ought to be obvious which one is the Christian by how they talk. And by how, how they act and how they live and how they act and how they react, we as Christians, we are to be a peculiar people. Hold your place in Exodus 19. And turn with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 2. I want you to see in the New Testament, I want you to see what God says about us as Christians. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Bible calls us a peculiar people. The Bible says we are to be different. We are to be set apart. We are to be zealous of good works. Titus chapter two, verse number 14. You are God's treasure. You are valuable to God. God cares about you, and God thinks you are special. So Pastor... You don't understand. My family's forgotten about me. My friends have forgotten about me. Maybe you say, I've had people move away. I've had people that have gone on to heaven. I've got people that have changed jobs. I've got people that have moved, or I'm the one that's moved, and and I don't feel like I fit in like I used to. Perhaps that's how you feel. And I'm not discounting the fact that you may feel that way. But I want to remind you today that you matter to God, and you are God's treasure. You are a chosen generation. God has chosen you. He chose you because he loves you and because he delights in you, number six. Number seven, you don't have to turn there, but back in uh, Exodus 19, it goes on to say, ye shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We find in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, that we are to be a royal priesthood. They say, well, pastor, what does that mean? Because in the Old Testament, the priests, they were the ones that worked in the service of the Lord in the temple and in the tabernacle, and they performed the sacrifices, and they were the ones that organized the worship of God. So how are we in the New Testament, how are we in the church age supposed to be priests? Well, we are supposed to be holy like they were holy. Holy we are to be serving god like they serve god we are to be worshiping god and sacrificing just like the priests in the old testament that's what god wants us to be today it's our duty number seven god wanted his people to serve him to be a kingdom of priests matthew 6 10 our prayer ought to be thy kingdom come god we want your kingdom to come our kingdom doesn't matter we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done It's our duty. We have folks in our church that are involved in many occupations, and if I don't list your occupation, it's not on purpose. I just picked a few. But we've got some in our church that are auto mechanics. If you're an auto mechanic, you know what you did this past week? You fixed cars, right? You worked on cars. If you're a doctor or nurse, this past week you saw some patients. You helped some people that were sick you treated some people you maybe uh, wrote some prescriptions for some people to get well if you're a builder you know what you did this past week you build something or you, you you prepared to build something or you you tore something down so you could build something new but if you're a builder that's what you do right i mean that's what a builder does if you are a lineman we have several in our church that are linemen you this week, you worked on the power lines, whether it was to the upkeep or whether it was restoring power or whatever it may be, but that's what you did. That's your job. That's what you, you, you do. And we are not surprised if we know that you're, you're a teacher. We have many teachers in here. We don't have to ask you, um, what'd you do this past week? We know what you did. You taught, right? That's what teachers do. If you're a Christian, If I'm a Christian, what did we do this past week? I hope we did what Christians are supposed to do. I hope there were some things that we did this past week that we did not because we have to, or not because somebody was checking up on us, but I hope we did some things this past week because that's who we are, and that's what Christians do. We have a duty, we have a responsibility. Christians read their Bibles. Christians pray, Christians go to church, Christians witness and Christians serve and Christians give and Christians help and Christians encourage and and Christians do the things that Jesus Christ would do if he were here and that's what we ought to do. Lastly, and I'm done, it's found in Exodus 19, verses seven and eight, I see number eight, there's a decision. Moses came, he called for all the elders of the people and he laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. In verse eight, and all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. Isn't that great? Moses was the delivery boy. He was the messenger, and he gave the message to the people, much like I'm doing today. I'm just telling you what God has said. I'm just telling you what God wants for your life. And the people answered Moses and said, Moses, everything God said, we're going to do it. Now, here's the difference. You don't have to give me the answer because you can tell it to God. You can go directly to God and you can give God your answer. But I believe today, I believe it's decision time. I believe there's some folks in this room that I think we need to make a decision. Are we going to follow God or not? I think we need to see there's a reason, there's a purpose for why we follow God is because everything that God has for us is number one, so that he can get the glory and number two, so that it can be for our good and for our benefit. God's not trying to make your life miserable. God wants you to have peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction like this world can never give. But the decision is yours, will you do?